Well, good morning, church. So glad you are with us today. And hey, we started a conversation last week about being strong at home. Because we've learned over this past year together, man, that home is the new hub. It's kind of where we, we uh, kind of doing everything now. I mean, we're working from home, we're shopping from home, we're exercising at home, uh, we find our entertainment at home. Home is even where we're doing school for kids um, in so many of our uh, situations. But not only that, we're also discovering that home is like the hub for my faith. Like it has to be, it has to be that place where I am growing in Jesus. In fact, we're, we're discovering that if we don't take our faith home with us, we're sunk. Now, I believe that this has always been true. You know, it's like we, we used to believe or used to assume or we get into patterns where like we would come to a church campus, right? Like the one I'm in right now. And those of you are in the courtyard, you're right here on our church campus. Hello. I see you guys out there in the courtyard waving. Woo! But you know what? We, we all used to kind of assume that like kind of going to a church campus or into a church building was like that was the hub of my faith. That's never been the case. We always have needed to bring our faith home. Past year has really highlighted that to our attention. Now, now, do not get me wrong. I am not saying that we somehow don't need each other, that we don't need the church like our brothers and sisters in the Lord. I think we do. In fact, I think that maybe right now, we're, we're noticing and feeling that we need each other maybe more desperately than we ever have. But that still does not take away the, the reality that we have to take our faith home and that actually home is the hub, not just for work and for school and for all those other things, but for our faith. So last week, I posed this question to you. I, I posed the question, how strong is your home? And we began looking at a gentleman in the scripture. His name is Nehemiah. And we began like looking at his story and the desire that God put in, in his heart to return home to restore and rebuild the walls surrounding Jerusalem that had been destroyed. His particular mission was to rebuild the walls. So more than just asking you, how strong is your home? Let me ask you even more specifically, how strong are your walls? How strong are your walls? I remember when I was a senior in high school that I put a hole in my wall. Actually, I punched a hole in my wall. We'd been at the dinner table and conversations somehow had kind of gotten heated. Man, we were in, we did that a lot. I mean, we would just dialogue, but I was getting frustrated. In fact, whatever the conversation was, which I do not remember, I just remember what happened after 
words because I got so frustrated, I got up and I like huffed off to my room. And right before walking into my bedroom door, I hit the wall. And my fist went straight through the wall. Now, as I remember kind of how it happened, I don't think that I really intended to like punch my fist through my wall, even though that's what happened. I think what I was intending to do was to kind of like put an exclamation point on my frustration, like make this loud bang so that everybody still seated at the table would know, man, Tim is frustrated right now. But that is not what happened. My fist went straight through the wall. And you know what? All of that frustration, it immediately left my body. And it was replaced by fear. It was not the fear of God. It was the fear of my mother, who I know was going to be right on my heels. And yes, she was. And uh, as the story went, I was actually blessed and shocked and surprised that my mother, instead of like turning this into some big discipline situation, she had great grace for me in that moment. And uh, rather than punishing me, she said, well, you're going to repair that wall. And so over the next weeks, what I had the joy of experiencing was learning about drywall and drywall mud and sanding and sanding again and texturing and painting. That's what I got to learn over the next weeks. But I believe this. I believe that we all have holes in our walls. And then we're called to repair them. And listen, maybe not even just like a little bit of a repair. It's possible that at the end of the year that we have been all through, that perhaps you are experiencing like Nehemiah did, that those walls have actually crumbled, that they're actually on the ground, not just with a crack or a hole, but literally destroyed. So I want to ask you, I guess my microphone is not working as effectively as I would have hoped. So I will jump to this microphone. How about that? Are we working? Is our technology favoring us at the moment? Can I, can I get a witness, Sergio? Are we get, yay, hey, do I need to begin again? <laughs> no, not entirely. Well, if you were not hearing me, the point of all that I was communicating was about that we all have holes in our walls. And maybe even after the year that we've all had, maybe have even been destroyed, which is much like what Nehemiah had discovered about the walls around Jerusalem. So what's the big deal about walls anyway? Now, listen, if you're in the courtyard, I know you got a handout today. You may want to kind of take that out at this point. And if you're watching online at home, we're going to put a link up right now so that you can actually click on that, download, or type it into your browser, and that you would be able to get the handout for today. And if you're listening to the podcast, we're going to put this link right in the podcast as well so you can get today's handout. But what you're going to discover on there is that walls 
are incredibly important to the structure of our homes. I believe that walls do at least three things for our homes. And it doesn't matter whether you live in a mansion or whether you are in a mobile home, same difference, okay? Check it out, walls do at least three things. One is that they add strength to our homes. Walls literally hold up our our homes. Listen, if there is no structural integrity in your walls, guess what? There is no structural integrity to your entire home. Secondly, walls provide protection. Now, it doesn't matter whether it's an enemy outside or whether it's the harsh elements outside. Walls keep out everything that does not belong inside. So they offer, it offers strength, it offers protection, and the third thing that walls do is provide insulation. Because they don't only keep out the things that don't belong inside, they actually help us keep inside what does belong there. I mean, like in these cold winter months, do you think you could keep the warm air in your home if you had big holes in your walls? No way. We need walls to provide that insulation. Now listen, I'm not just talking about here what walls do in the physical construction of our houses. I'm literally talking about the walls in our home life and the walls in our lives, the way that God has designed us and built us. So I want you to think about this, that if the walls of my life are in ruins, my strength is gone. Like my life could collapse. If the walls of my life are in ruins, my protection is gone. All those things that I don't want in my life, everything that is an enemy to me, and the enemy of my soul can come rushing in if those walls are in ruins. And third, if the walls of my life are in ruins, there would be no insulation, meaning that everything that is good and that I want in my life could just be leaking out my love, my joy, my peace, and we could keep going. All those things that are important to us, we know, man, this is what I want to have inside my life could just evaporate out into the atmosphere. So what kind of walls am I talking about? Well, I began this conversation again last week and talking about that when God designed us, he built all of us with five distinct walls like in, the, in, in our home, in our life. Five distinct walls. Now, now your life is going to look different from mine, just like the, your home, your house looks different than mine because you're going to paint yours a different color. You're going to put different trim on it. You're going to have a little bit different maybe architecture. You're going to do some different landscaping. So our lives look a little bit different. But guess what? We're all comprised of these same five walls. And here's what they are. 
There's the emotional wall, the spiritual wall, the mental wall, the physical wall, and the relational wall. Now, those sound a little bit familiar to you. Well, they should. Because you may recognize those as the same things that Jesus stated were so important when he was questioned about, Jesus, what is the the greatest of all the commands? Now, in the Old Testament, there was like 613 different commands. But Jesus was asked, Jesus, what's the most important command? And here is how Jesus replied. It's found in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. He said this, he said, The most important commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now listen to these five. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so you, you, you can see those five walls, so to speak, of our lives and of our homes reflected in Jesus' words here. Like our heart represents our emotions, Our soul represents our spirituality. Our mind, of course, is who we are mentally. Our strength is who we are physically. And our our neighbors, everyone outside of us, right? That's our relational life. Jesus, I believe, was highlighting to us is that this is the way that you have been designed by God. And notice that Jesus said that we're to love him with all of these things, all of your heart, all of your soul, mind, strength, and your relationships as well. He didn't say to love God with part of of those things, but with all. That means that if the wall of my emotions, the wall of my heart has cracks in it, has holes in it, or is lying in ruins on the ground, How am I going to love him with all of my heart, all of my emotional strength, if it has been compromised or if it's laying in ruins? There's just no way that I would be able to do it with all, at least not until that part, that wall is built back up and is restored. But listen to this promise, because I believe there's a promise here for all of us. Jesus would never give us an impossible task. I believe that as we begin the process of saying, Jesus, I want to restore this wall. I see that there are cracks, holes, or this has been torn down, that this wall in my life has been compromised. God, I'm now gonna get about the work of restoring this. I believe that Jesus comes alongside of us and says, yes, Let's get to work, right? I think that's what Chef Robert Irvine says. Restaurant Impossible. Let's get to work. Jesus comes alongside of us and says, I'm going to help you in the restoration and rebuilding process. 
Because friends, we cannot do it alone. And that's called grace. Grace. Because Jesus knows we are not going to be able to do all of the restorative work needed in our lives by ourselves to get to that all, that 100% in our lives. So, man, we get to work and Jesus just floods us with his grace. And listen, these five areas of life, these walls, are going to be what we are tending to over the next coming weeks as we continue to examine our lives and through the story of Nehemiah. Now listen, if you missed the intro last week, let me just kind of bring a a really short recap. Nehemiah was a Jew who was not living in Jerusalem or any part of of, uh, the area surrounding Jerusalem, Judah or Israel. He was living in Babylon. Why was a Jew living in Babylon? Well, because 169 years before the, the story of Nehemiah begins, actually Babylon had captured Israel and had actually been the ones that had torn down the walls of, uh, of Jerusalem, had captured that whole kingdom, uh, destroyed much of it, and what was left, including the people, they took with them back to Babylon. They were captives. But now generations had grown up in Babylon. And there was obviously a new king and generation upon generation. And now Nehemiah is born. He grows up. And now Nehemiah is serving in the house of the king of Babylon. His name was Artaxerxes. King Artaxerxes was was the king at that time. And what we find out is that in the decades before Nehemiah, that there had been some waves of Jews who had begun to go back from Babylon, back to Jerusalem. That first wave, they rebuilt the temple. In the second wave, there was the restoration of worship to God. They didn't get it perfect, but they were moving in that direction. But when we get to the story of Nehemiah, we find that he discovers, he gets news back in Babylon that the walls surrounding Jerusalem, those things that do what? They provide strength, protection, and even insulation, those things are gone. They have been destroyed. They're still on the ground around Jerusalem, and it breaks his heart. He mourns, he fasts, he prays, and God puts this burden in Nehemiah's heart to return to Jerusalem with the mission of rebuilding the walls. So then we get to Nehemiah chapter 2, and we find that King Artaxerxes shows great favor to Nehemiah. When Nehemiah tells him what's going on in this burden in his heart, this mission that he believes he has, then the king, instead of saying, no way, man, you're my servant, you're going to just stay right here, rather than that, what happens is that, man, the king shows him great favor. And not only was that favor releasing him from his role there in Babylon to return to Jerusalem, but he not only that, he, he says, I'm going to send soldiers with you to protect you, and I'm going to give you the provision that you need so that you can even build your own home once you arrive in Jerusalem. But listen, not everybody showed favor. Not everybody was happy about what Nehemiah was about to do. And so I want to show you one verse. It's in Nehemiah 2.10. 
Because I want to introduce you to a couple of guys who are really the enemies of God and the enemies of Nehemiah and this process of rebuilding. Nehemiah 2.10, we find these two guys. It says, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. What is going on with these guys? Well, listen, Sanballat and Tobiah, we're going to, the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up and I'm wanting you to see this one verse is for two distinct reasons. One is because these knuckleheads are going to keep showing back up in the story in the weeks to he- ahead. So when you hear their names, you can like boo and hiss because they are always and consistently the enemy of what God is up to in this mission that he had put in Nehemiah's heart. But listen, the second reason I wanted to share this particular verse with you because it's an important reminder to us that when you get ready to restore and rebuild the walls of your life, not everyone is going to be happy with what you're doing. I think there could be many people in your circumstance that aren't going to be happy with your rebuilding process. How about the people you used to party with, right? Those people that used to be part of your life, whatever that was, maybe the people you gossiped with, the people that you hung out with, and it was just negative, you know? All those people that you used to behave those ways, they're not all going to be, like, thrilled with, like, you're moving on and rebuilding your life And they're kind of left behind. And then I think there's always negative Nancys, right, in our life. Or negative Neds in our life. People that just cannot be happy seeing you move forward. And they're going to say, you'll never make it. You'll never make it. And then there's just anyone who is like under the rule of hell instead of heaven And they just cannot stand it when other people are finding freedom in Jesus. So I want you to be prepared for hell to throw a tantrum when you begin begin the process of restoring and rebuilding the walls of your life and of your home. Because remember this, hell is always a homewrecker. Hell is always a homewrecker. Some of you already know what I mean because you've experienced some of that devastation in your own homes and in your own lives. But hell is always a homewrecker. So then we get to what I believe is the most significant part of Nehemiah chapter 2. We find that Nehemiah had been in Jerusalem for three days, but he hadn't yet told anyone why he had showed up. He didn't tell anybody about the mission on his heart. And so we pick up in verses 12 and 13 of Nehemiah chapter 2. And this is what we read that Nehemiah says. He says, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, 
I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate. That probably smelled really good. To inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Now, if we were to keep reading, and you can do this in Nehemiah chapter 2, you're going to find that not only did he stop right there, but I mean, he really went on this investigative journey to check out the walls of Jerusalem. It says this is what he was doing. He was inspecting the broken walls and burned gates. Listen, Nehemiah knew something that we also need to learn in this process. That before we can rebuild our walls, we have to be aware of what needs rebuilding. Inspection is critical. We have to be aware. What is falling down? What's got cracks in it? What's got holes in it? We've got to go through this, this investigatory process. We have to be aware of what's broken in our lives before we can acknowledge it. And who do we acknowledge our brokenness to? One, to ourselves. Like we have to say, hey, self, this wall has cracks in it or is lying in ruins. We also acknowledge it to the Lord. And he may even direct us to some trusted other people who will also acknowledge it to and say, man, I hate to admit it, but this is what is going on in my life and situation. As in King David was someone who had the walls of his life crumble on more than one occasion. And there were times that, that he would like hide that from himself, from God. He didn't want to deal with these crumbled walls around him. He was ignoring the mess that he was living in. But I want you to listen to his words when he finally comes to that place of true acknowledgement of what was going on in his soul. In Psalm 32 is one of the places we read David talk about this awareness. And he says this in verses three through five of Psalm 32. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed. Finally, I confessed. He acknowledged, right? He came to this place of acknowledgement. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Now, listen, I, I hope you are seeing in this text the language of broken walls. You know, he says, my body is wasted away. He's saying, man, my strength is gone. My strength is gone. He says, 
my strength evaporated, right? There's that language of like no insulation. There was no strength. There was no protection from all these things that were now flooding into his soul. And there was no insulation. Just all of his strength, it says, is evaporating. But once he acknowledges his brokenness to the Lord, I love this, when he says, I will confess. It says that God was immediately there to begin this beautiful rebuilding process in David's life. So I want you to listen. Listen to the next verses, what he continues to say right there afterwards in verse 6 and 7. He says, therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. While there is still time. Friends, listen. It's not like we have an indefinite amount of time to rebuild the walls of our lives. We don't know. We, we do not know kind of the day or the hour when like we're going to be held to account for the life situation, whether we die or we, whether we hit, hit other devastating circumstances and man, the walls of our life haven't been rebuilt and so we're just, we're just devastated by those things. He says, while there's still time, call out to God that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Listen, this is what I want my song to be. This is what I want my life to be like. This is how I want my home to be. How about you? Where there is that protection, there's that strength, there's that insulating factor that, that like my, the good stuff of my life is not just evaporating and leaking out. So last thing we're doing here is, is asking the question, so okay, so how like Nehemiah do I get about inspecting the walls of my life? And so on the handout that you have, there's, there's three questions there that I think that we should spend some time over the next week processing about these five walls in our lives, right? Our, the emotion, the spirit, the emotional, spiritual, mental, physical, and relational walls of our lives that we can ask three questions of ourselves. They're gonna help us kind of do this process of, of walking around and inspecting the walls of our lives. Now, you could ask other questions as well, but I just wanna give these three as prompts to you and to I that we could take the next days to do some home inspection. You ready? Here they are. There's, first is the strength question. The strength question. Is this area of my life stronger than it was a year ago? Right? If I like think back to before the pandemic and before all this crazy kind of entered my home life and into my soul, is this area of my life stronger than it was a year ago? And you'll ask that question and, you know, and, and, and kind of mark there, and you can see right on the handout, there's a little continuum. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing better in this area. I'm about the same, or, or maybe 
I've lapsed some. Maybe I'm not as strong. Maybe, maybe there are some cracks appearing in the walls of one of these areas of my life. And it's not just the spiritual condition of my life. God's concerned about all of it. We need all the walls of our lives to be standing strong so that the enemy can't come in and all that is to be within us does not leak out. So first is that strength question. Is this area of my life stronger than it was a year ago? The second is what I'm calling the satisfaction question. Am I more content with this area of my life than a year ago? Am I more content? And you may say, wait a second, I'm at church. What, What does this have to do with satisfaction? I mean, am I called to live a satisfied life? Here is what I believe, friends. I believe that God will actually use discontent in our souls, a growing sense of discontent to point out things that are wrong in our lives, to point out things where there may be cracks or holes, things that need repair. There can just be this growing sense that I am just no longer content with what is going on in this area of my life. I need to get after it. And so I believe God will use that to point things out to our lives to help in the inspection process. And then here's the third question. It's the faith question. Am I more like Jesus in this area of my life than a year ago? And there it is. It's like it's, it's my discipleship. It's like as a follower of Christ, am I becoming more and more like Jesus in this area? Or has something happened to weaken that? Some cracks or holes in the wall of this area of my life that is causing me to mm, not only not be more like Jesus, but I'm kind of reverting. I'm kind of like falling away from what he would call me to in this area of my life. And you can see that I just put an A, B, and C next to those questions, the strength question, the satisfaction question, and the faith question. So on each of those continuums, you'll have an A, a B, and a C as you would meditate on and when you would think about and when you would inspect the walls of your life. And I ask that we would all do this this coming week because we are going to begin talking about each of these different five areas in the weeks to come. And so I want you to be able to be prepared with that because like we said, we have to come to that place of awareness of what's going on in our life before we're able to acknowledge it before the Lord and even acknowledge it to ourselves or to others in our lives. Inspection is critical. That's what we're called to do. Listen, we're gonna conclude this time together this morning with something that is precious not only to us but to the entire body of Christ. We're going to conclude today by receiving communion together. Now, if you're watching it at home and have the opportunity, maybe you even pause the video and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go and find some juice. I'm going to find some bread or something that I can receive with as together we all would, as all would participate in communion together. If you're in our courtyard, you received a a little communion packet. 
And as we turn our hearts to Jesus and to what he did, because I told you that man, there is grace. If you feel that like there is no way I could rebuild the walls of my life, like Pastor Tim, you do not know my story. You do not know how devastated I've been in this area of my life. Here's what I can promise you. Though what we hold in our hands represented a representing the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus. God himself sacrificed for you and for me. Here's what I can tell you. If you felt that your life has been devastated in these areas, guess what? Jesus' life was devastated as well. And the good news is, not only was it devastated, but it was restored. Rebuilt. Not only did Jesus lay down his life, but he took it back up again, which gives us the hope and the promise that we get to live in his resurrection life. And so I want to share with you a scripture as we turn our hearts to the cross, to his broken body and spilled blood. Would you read along with me Romans 3? 23 through 25. Listen to these words. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Listen to those words. We all fall short. All of us have cracks and holes and walls that may be laying in ruins at this moment. We all fall short. There's not one of us that has our walls in perfect order at this time. We all fall short. Yet God, yet God, in undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Now we're righteous. You know what it means? Restored, made whole, made right again because Jesus came that all things would be put back to order and made right in our lives and in his world. With undeserved kindness, he declares that we are righteous. How did he do this? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People, you and me, are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now would you take, and would you take the bread, this little wafer, I am working to set free from this little communion packet. Here it is. Would you take it and would you hold it before we eat together? And Jesus, we do remember right now, Lord, that it is only because of you that our lives get to be made whole again, made right, that the walls of our lives 
can be restored and rebuilt to fullness so that then we can love you with all that we are. So now, Jesus, we take in remembrance of you and what you've done. Go ahead and take and eat, would you? And I love the way that this scripture concludes. People are made right. People are made right. People's lives are restored and that wholeness can come to each one. How? When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Friends, Jesus' blood was shed for you and for me, for each one all around the world. There is none who are outside of the gracious gift of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me. And so the question is, do we believe? How are people made right with God? It's when they believe in Jesus and in his sacrifice. And so today, maybe this is the first time you are considering, do I believe, have I put my trust in Jesus? Or have I put my trust in other things? Have I put my trust in a church? Have I put my trust in a person? Have I put my trust in myself? None of those things at the end of the day are going to be what makes us right. We are made right as we put our trust in Jesus and in what he has done for us. And so if this is your first time to say, yes, Jesus, I put my trust in you and my sacrifice or, or the sacrifice you made for me, or whether this is the thousandth time, would you drink together rejoicing in the sacrifice that makes all of our restoration possible. Would you drink? Oh, Jesus, we are so grateful for you and for your grace. And so now we live, Lord, with renewed purpose and renewed hope. Lord, that all things can be made right in my life and my home. You came that where the enemy wanted me to be weak, you came to make me strong. We love you, Lord. And church, we love you. So glad you were here with us today. Now come back again as we continue in the story of Nehemiah and not only seeing how he rebuilt the walls, but how we get to join on that process of restoring and rebuilding the walls of our life. Your love. We'll see you next week.